Uh, you can watch online. Um, so just want to again welcome everyone. Just want to remind everybody as we're still in phase two uh, of the reopening, uh, Governor Edwards is mandating a wear mask thing in public uh, starting tomorrow. So just to let you know on those things, um, uh, I don't think when you're around, when you're not around people, you don't have to have it. But uh, when you're around, so if you want to go to Walmart tomorrow, you're going to have to have a mask. So I'm just telling you before you get there and they don't let you in. OK, uh, but as we stay in uh, phase two, we want to remind everyone. I know we love in the house of God, hugging each other, uh, shaking each other's hands. But we want to remember social distancing guidelines and those things. And we have sanitizers. video feed so you won't miss the service so if you need to go in there but we're not going to have a nursery worker with a bunch of babies there right now um, also the van won't will not run on uh, Sunday mornings uh, again say, can't safely uh, social distance with picking up people from different households in one van and then also no Wednesday night services right now until we get to phase three uh, last thing is the set of doors on this side will be opened after service for you to leave if you want to leave out of either door. But to come in in the mornings, we need to just come in through the one entrance where you can sanitize your hands and things like that. So uh, that's about uh, the, all the announcements on that part. Just want to remind you, 
that we had, the Christian Fellowship Church has a Facebook page where you could follow along. Uh, if you're not uh, able to make the service, you could actually watch service live online on Sunday mornings, which we're streaming live right now. So hello, everybody watching. Or you could go back and watch it at a later time. Facebook is also the place where we put our most current announcements with things going on. So uh, throughout this time, as things change, we'll announce if things change here at church. All right, uh, on those things. So also you could go uh, download a CFC app on your phone, on your iPhone. If you go to the church website or page, you could uh, see this icon on there. Click on that. It'll take you through the steps to download the church app. Where on the church app, you can also watch uh, pre-recorded services, and you also could give online. Well, for those of you that don't have Facebook, we did uh, start a YouTube site, uh, which is... Uh, Welcome to CFC, no, not welcome, <laughs> Christian Fellowship Church, Pastor Scott Sheremy. Type all that in in YouTube and it'll get you to our page a lot quicker. There's a bunch of Christian Fellowship Churches that would come up. So if you type that in, it'll get you there. And you could go there and watch the pre-recorded uh, services, not live. But uh, those uh, of a uh, uh, few times before. And lastly, you could go to the church website, which is welcometocfc.com, where you could give online also... Um, watch uh, pre-recorded services there and different things. Uh, for the, our kids that aren't here today, the ages 6 through 11, New Generations Children's Church, they're, they're meeting in the back, the kids that are here, families that have kids uh, back there now, uh, they're doing the service, but they're also recording it, and they're going to premiere it tonight at 7 p.m. on Facebook. So uh, if, you're, if you're watching online and your children, you don't want them to miss out. Uh, just go up there, uh, 7 o'clock tonight, and it'll be playing. All right, so that's about all the announcements we have. Uh, we just want to wish everyone a birthday that's having a birthday between now and next Sunday. Raise your hand if you're having a birthday. Between now and next Sunday. Any birthdays? All right. Anyone watching online? If you right, Happy birthday. Hey, hey, hey. What day is it? All right. <laughs> all right. Make, sure, make sure you get a piece of cake for me. All right. <laughs> Amen. How many of you like sweets? How many, how many of you realize it's very hot outside this week? You know how hot it was? Yesterday when I went to Walmart and I got a gallon of milk, I actually had to buy a gallon of chocolate milk, uh, chocolate ice cream to keep the milk cold on the way home. That's the only reason I bought it. Yeah, so, you know, I didn't want my milk to spoil and then... I was going to throw away the ice cream, then I thought of all the starving children in the world, and I said I couldn't do that. You know what's the best way to eat ice cream? See, I'm, I got ice cream on the brain now. Try this before you knock it. Take frosted flakes, you put it in the bowl, then you put ice cream in it. If you like, like a sugar cone, that's a cheap sugar cone. You put frosted flakes. Try it. You're going to like it. Okay, yeah, i see you. Good, good, more for me. <laughs> Try it and I guarantee you you like it. So, well, we're on birthdays. That's why we went to ice cream. Uh, what about anniversaries? Anyone having an anniversary between now and next Sunday? We want to tell you happy anniversary? Anyone? Well, you see, we start talking about ice cream and everybody's going. <laughs> Let's focus back. <laughs> Anyone having an anniversary between now and next Sunday? All right, nope. So if you are online, we want to say happy anniversary, happy birthday to you there. So if we would, we're going to be taking up our offering right now. And first thing I want to do is explain to you how you could give those that aren't here today 
that if you're just watching online, uh, if you go to the next slide, Nathaniel, you can go to our church website, which is www.welcometocfc.com and give there. Uh, you could uh, mail it in through the regular mail at Post Office Box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. Or you could drop it off uh, on Mondays from 9 to 2. Uh, our church uh, secretary is uh, here just on that day while we're in phase two. You'll see me and Brother Josh here during the week. You could drop it off if you see our vehicle here. Uh, uh, so we could handle that for you also. So uh, if you would, I just want to read our scriptures uh, this morning and let me get ready here. Our offering scriptures for this week is found in Genesis 13:17. It says, go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Psalms 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each of you should give what he has decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, for God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. So what we're going to do is in a second... We're, we're going to pray over the offering, and the way we do this is we're going to have this side of the church come on up down this side aisle. Side aisle, you come up. Middle aisle, you go down, and you're going to uh, drop your offering off in the basket, try and stay six feet apart. Then once this side's done, I'm going to announce for this side of the church, come up the, center, uh, the side aisle and down the uh, center aisle. Same thing, drop it off, but wait till. I announce for that, okay? So if you would, let's stand to our feet and take your offering in your right hand and let's repeat after me today. Say, as I give in today's offering, I give because God has first given to me. God has given me his love and forgiveness. He has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has been a liberal giver Holding nothing, back. holding nothing back. He gives into my life, even when I don't deserve it. Now I have one small opportunity to give back, to give with thankfulness out of what God has already given to me. Lord, here's my tithe and offerings. Take this small seed and multiply it many times for your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do is let's have this side of the church come up the side aisle. Drop it off and make your way back.
seat as we have our call to worship this morning. Our call to worship for July uh, 2020 is found in Psalms 138, verses 1 through 5. This is the message paraphrase. It says, thank you. Everything in me says thank you. Angels listen as I sing my thanks. I kneel in worship facing your holy temple and say it again, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Most holy is your name. Most holy is your word. The moment I called out, you stepped in. You made my life large with strength. When they hear what you have to say, God, all the earth's kings will say thank you. They'll sing of what you have done. How great the glory of God. Father, we just come to you this morning. And Father, we come to worship you this morning. Father, I just lift up each and every person that's here today, Father God, that we would focus on you this morning and on nothing else. Father God, we ask that your anointing be upon this place. Father God, as we worship you this morning, I pray that your spirit would move in all the homes of those that are watching this morning, Father God. And we thank you, Father God, for all that you have done and all that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says... Amen. Let's put our hands together as we worship this morning. I can see the clouds rolling. I can feel the wind as it tries to shake me. I will not be moved. My feet are on the rock. I can hear the howling lies as they haunt me. Fear won't hold me now. My feet are on the rock. When I feel my hope about to break, I will cling to your unchanging grace. When the waters come and the earth
like you have not felt in years. You know who you are. You know the presence of God. You know the hand of God. But you have not felt it in so long. God says today is your day. I want to pour my love on you. I want you to feel me like you haven't felt me in a long time. Child, just sit back. Every storm. 
children. My children are a miracle from God. No, I did not birth them. But God brought those children into our life. When it was an impossible situation for us to have children. And I'm telling you right now that the God of the impossible, the God who does miracles is here today. Somebody needs a miracle today. Somebody needs God to dig down deep. And somebody needs a miracle. And yesterday when I was choosing songs, right away I said, this is it. This is the song. And as we beg had to sing it, I wanted to tell a slight bit of my testimony. But I don't know how much I can sing after I tell it. Our children been the best thing that God has ever given to us. I want you to know that His ways really are higher than your ways. I want you to know that His thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. Because if I had children the way I wanted to, my way wasn't God's way. His way was so much better could have ever thought or imagined. And I can't tell you how thankful I am today that we waited on God. The waiting was hard. It was trying. It was pressing. And it wasn't fun. But let me tell you something. He is in the waiting. He is in the waiting. Your miracle is coming. Because He is the God of the impossible. He is the miracle maker. And I promise you, if He made you a promise, so much higher than what you could have ever thought or imagined. Please just trust me on that. Whoever you are, somebody needs to hear that. His ways are so much higher than your ways. His thoughts go beyond what you could ever think or imagine. So let's sing it again, I believe. And then let's sing it all together in one mind, one accord. And whatever you're believing for, whatever you need. He's here today. He's here today. The same God that raised Christ from the dead is here.
as you take your seats, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise again. I want to go ahead and dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, as they get ready to turn on the lights here. If you want to get your Bibles out and get your notes, I want to share a message to the Lord that put on my heart for us this week. And a message titled, The United. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we get started this morning. I just want to get right into this this morning. Father, I just come to you today. Father, I lift up this congregation. I lift up the whole body of Christ right now. I lift up our nation to you right now, Father God. I just pray that your spirit would sweep across this nation, Father God, from the east coast to the west coast, from the northern border to the southern border, Father. And I just pray that you would unveil all our eyes, Father God, that we could see the spiritual truths, that we could see you as a nation, that we could draw closer to you, Father. I just pray that you unveil our hearts, Father God, that we would know you better, Father. I pray that you touch the minds of each and every person that we could comprehend your word today. Open our ears that we're able to hear your word today, Father God. And prepare our hearts again to receive your word today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen, Amen. So if you get your notes out this morning. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but our country has a lot of tension right now. Unless you've been hiding under a rock, which might be a good place. <laughs> you notice there's a lot of tension and, and things going on in this nation. And um, uh, I believe the United States is under a spiritual attack. We've been talking about that since the beginning of the year. Um, let me just share with you. The United States is pivotal in the world. I believe that if the United States falls, this whole world is going to collapse. The United States, unfortunately, has a position in this world where we have bases all over that we actually keep world peace. That if those bases disappear and come out of there, countries are going to begin attacking other countries. The reason they don't is because they know the United States has their back and it helps keep the peace. So I, I believe, you know, that Satan wants to take out this country. That's, that, that's his goal right now. And... So I, I titled this message uh, United, and as I, you just look at that word United, and I, I want you to understand that if I would have asked you what's the name of this message, you all would have read United, right? Because it's obvious. You're, you're American, you've learned the English language. Do you, let me congratulate you. Do you know you, you have learned the most difficult language on earth? They, they say the... the uh, English language is the most difficult language on earth to learn. I would have thought, uh, you know, like Mandarin Chinese, is, you hear them talking, it's hard to, they almost sound Cajun. You can't, all the words are together and things like that. And when you see their words, it looks, you know, it's just a bunch of little lines like that. But do you realize when they look at this, what is obvious to us is not obvious to them? You know, we see this and we say united and it's so easy for us because that's what we were taught and brought up. But sometimes we got to realize that things in life that are very obvious to us aren't that obvious to others. Now, I, was, I was just looking at this word uh, this week and I said, you know, 
If you, if you are a person trying to learn the English language as a secondary language that you had some others, you can look at this word and you, in your brain you could say, well, U-N-I in the beginning is a prefix, a prefix meaning uni, which means one. So is this word uniTed, that we're all for Ted? Right? That's why it's a difficult language. Or maybe just the prefix un means un, meaning un meaning not for. So this does this word is this word un I Ted means we're all against Ted now. Is it uni Ted we're all for Ted or un I Ted and we're not for Ted. If you were trying to learn, you see how difficult it would be to try and understand, which is very obvious to us. So this is what I want to uh, just. You know, making light of this is just because something is obvious to you doesn't mean it's obvious to someone else, right? Just like if I have it in Chinese, but I had no idea how to write it. You'd have said, what in the world is that? But a Chinese person would have said, oh, well, I don't know how to talk Chinese, so I I couldn't say what it would say. But it it would say united. So we understand that not just because, I I need to realize just because something's obvious to me does not make it obvious to everybody else. Amen. So, as we, as we begin our study this morning, I want you to understand that unity, being united, is a very powerful thing. Used in good things and used in bad. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I got a trivia question, and uh, I get a trivia question, I, I think it's called... Uh, Today's trivia, trivia today, something. Every morning in my email, I have a trivia question from this uh, place. And it's, it's nothing specific. It's, it's all kind of topics. And a few weeks ago, they had what it gives you a question and it gives you four choices you could choose from. And it said the country of Germany is about the size of what state? And I started thinking, first of all, is when I was thinking of a country of Germany, you're thinking going to be huge. And when you put a, the country of Germany against the state of the United against a United States map, do you realize that Germany is only about the size of Montana? The whole nation of Germany is smaller than Texas. But yet, in World War One and World War Two, they almost overthrew the whole world because they had one thing in common. Especially in World War II, Hitler had pulled, and this was for the bad. But when they worked together, united, that small nation about the size of Montana almost conquered the whole world by themselves. There's power in unity, whether it's good or bad. And this is why I need you to understand that the devil understands there's power in unity. And we need to understand that we need to be united as the body of Christ to overcome what the devil's trying to do in this world today. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. And we need to understand that just like a body, you have ten fingers, ten toes, and everything, uh, all, all these different organs. Each part of your body f- performs a different purpose. 
But if you take a part away, the whole body suffers. You know, just like try to try to w- do stuff today. Whatever dominant hand you have, your right or left, uh, tape up your thumb, thumb that you can't use it. And you're going to see how much that little thumb is going to affect your regular way of life. Little things that we don't realize that affects the whole body. So the whole body needs to work. When the whole body's working together, it can accomplish so much more. So let me address from the Word of God about what's going on in this country. This isn't in your notes, but I want them to put it back up in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is the message paraphrase. Um, Again, those of you that don't know, the message Bible is a paraphrase. It's not a translation. It's it's a paraphrase. It kind of paraphrases things. Paraphrase things. And I really like the way it says this. It's very easy to understand. And we need to see, it says, every part of Scripture, every part of the Bible is God-breathed and useful in one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live whose way? God's way. And verse 17 says, Through the word we are put together and shaped up for the task that God has for us. So I wanted to look through God's word to try and address some of the situations we're going through today. Okay? And as a reminder, uh, a few weeks ago, I had done a message, a two-part message called Spiritual Warfare, where uh, the first part was uh, know your enemy, know who Satan is. The second part was your, your weapons are powerful. Talked about the weapons that, that we have in prayer and different things. And then a, f- a week or two later, Brother Jerry Griffin had spoke uh, on the armor of God, that the armor we have. And today... Uh, I want to share from something that God had put in my spirit, and I even talked to him after the service uh, when he was speaking on that that day. And uh, I just want to read Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. This is in your notes right now. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay, what is a scheme? A scheme is a way to trick you, to deceive you. Okay, so when Brother Jerry was speaking on that, and I had used that scripture before, again, I'm trying to, we're trying to look at the Word of God to figure out what's going on in the world today. If you look at the King James Version, I think he used the New King James Version, but it, it says it this way. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the, what? Wiles of the devil. Now, NIV uses schemes, wiles, is, is not a word that is common today in the common language. But when he read from the New King James and it said wiles, when I was sitting there, an image came in my head. Be careful for the wiles of the en- enemy. Now, if you put up that business card up there, maybe most people are going to get know who this guy is. Wild E. Coyote, genius. Have brain will travel. How many of you are familiar who we're t- beginning to talk about? And I told him after service, I said, you think they named him on purpose that? Wild E. Coyote. 
Be careful of the wiles of the enemy, the schemes. And how many of you know, you can put up the next image there, old Wiley Coyote. He was number one in schemes, trying to kill, steal, and destroy the poor roadrunner's life. And all he had, he would come up with one thing after another, but how many of you know that no weapon formed against us will prosper? If you're living a child of God, that no matter what kind of scheme the enemy would all wily devil comes up with there may be many in different kind of ways that if you know what he's up to right because coyote he'd run right up to the edge and stop all of a sudden and wouldn't take that next step that coyote wanted him to and nothing he ever done uh, happened so this is what it reminded me of that the enemy is trying all kind of things to destroy america and if we're not careful, we'll fall for his trap. But if we, we look at the word of God for everything, we will be able to understand what's going on. <clears throat> and so this is what this morning I want to talk about is how the devil, what are some of the schemes or wiles that the devil is trying to pull right now? Amen. And how many, how many of you willing to be open minded this morning? And listen, okay? We need to really evaluate. Now, again, with something may be obvious to us at first, and it, we may not see it clearly. Excuse me. So um, let's, let's get going with this. Notice what Paul talks about here in 2 Corinthians 2, 10, and 11. And he's talking about the body of believers. And he's, he's talking about the relationship with the body of believers. Okay? Uh, well, let me get... Uh, I'm sorry. I, I jumped the scripture. Luke eleven seventeen, if we know the devil has schemes, what, what, what is he going to want to do to take down America is to divide the house of God. Okay? Well, already the house of God is divided from the world and the worldly people. But the greatest threat to defeating the worldly side of this world is the house of God being together. And the only way the world can overcome the kingdom of God in this world is to divide the kingdom of God, to divide the believers. And we see this where Jesus said in Luke eleven seventeen, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Any house divided against itself will fall. So Satan knows to take down the United States, he has to bring down and to bring division in the house of God. Because if the house of God is fighting amongst each other, the world will have its way. So uh, now back to the 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. Uh, this is talking about relationships. Paul says, Any, you for, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. How many of you know that although we're Christians, we still have issues in life? There's nobody perfect, you know. Uh, so we will offend each other. We will make mistakes and things like that. People will not always see, all brothers and sisters will not see everything you see the way you see it. And it doesn't mean that you're right or they're wrong. Maybe you're the one that's blinded to the real truth. And we need God to show us. He says, anyone you forgive, Paul says, I also forgive. And what you have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, he says, just in case, you know, if it's, it's anything, he says, I have forgiven, and here's the reason. For, uh, forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Because notice verse 11. In order that Satan might not outwit us. 
for we are not unaware of his schemes. In other words, Paul said we need to begin to forgive each other and realize that the enemy's coming in to divide the kingdom of God here on earth, the, the believers, and that if he could do that, it, we won't stand. So we need to watch out because when you don't forgive, it's easy for a spirit of bitterness to set in your heart. And even though it's a brother and sister in Christ, you can have bitterness toward them that shouldn't be there. It's like an um, autoimmune disease that the body is attacking itself, right? Uh, autoimmune diseases where, where the body begins attacking other organs and killing other organs and things like that. So we need to be careful because a, a root of bitterness, a root of anger is like an autoimmune disease that's going to attack from the inside. So Hebrews 12, 2, it, we're still laying a foundation of what I want to talk about here this morning. <coughs> it says, fixing our eyes on what? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Our eyes need to be fixed on what? The Bible tells us our eyes should only be fixed on what? Jesus. The second he could distract us and take our eyes off of Jesus and placed on anything else, he's already starting to win the battle. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And we're going to explain this a little bit more. That any type of distraction, when I begin to get distracted, it, it hinders me from the thing I'm supposed to be focused on. And I don't know about y'all, but when I'm watching TV... If my wife comes in and wants to start talking to me, I can't watch TV and listen to her at the same time. I don't know if it's just me or just, but I got to pause it. Because I'm missing this while I'm listening to you. Because it's distracting me from that and I can't give my full attention to that. And really what happens is, I want, what, what happened on TV and what did you say? That, that's where we'll be when we, we'll try to not focus on. And that's where we need to realize as the body of Christ that all enem, the enemy wants you to do is take your eyes off of Jesus and place it on something going on here on earth. And you'll be distracted. <clears throat> so let, let's look at 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 20. It says, therefore, if who is in Christ? Anyone. So anyone, if, in other words, he's talking, if you're born again, if anyone is in Christ, which means, therefore, everyone born of Christ says this, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And he says, all this is from God, who reconciled, brought us back to, to God, who reconciled us to him through Christ. And then notice, it says, it doesn't stop there. God's mission for us was not just to bring us to Christ. It says to bring us to Christ, reconcile us through Christ, and gave us, circle that right there, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you ever wondered what your purpose is in life, there it is. You were called to be in Christ, but then God through Christ gave you, every believer, if anyone is in Christ, you are reconciled to Christ and you were get, you're reconciled to God through Christ and you were given the ministry 
of reconciliation, meaning bringing others to Christ, sharing that message. So that's what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, It says uh, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he committed to who? Us. Every believer, anyone in, in Christ, he committed to us a message of reconciliation. Therefore, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors through God, we're, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So this is the thing. This is what we need to re- realize in life. My focus is to keep my eyes on Jesus and my purpose is to bring people to Christ. And all Satan wants to do is get your mind off of, the, off of Christ because it's going to take my mind off of what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm going to be so mixed up in this other thing. I'm going to get caught up in my flesh and I'm going to, you know, oh, I can't believe this person said that. And what happens, I want to respond in my flesh. And does it bring people together? No, it brings people apart. Even though I may be right. You see, but God's more worried about us bringing people together than us being right. We are to speak the truth in love to bring people to him. Let's look what it says in <coughs> Hebrews 12, 4. 14, I'm sorry. Make what kind of effort? Every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Make every effort to live in peace. We are to be reconcilers. Make every effort to live in peace. Just because something is true doesn't mean I need to say it. Right? I, I, it, somebody walk up to you, bought that sure is an ugly shirt. And walks away. Now in their opinion, the shirt may be ugly, but do they, did they really need to say that? What good came out of that? Right? The shirt may be ugly. It may be... A, I hope nobody has a Hawaiian shirt on or something. I, I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to uh, uh, have this Hawaiian pattern and somebody walk, boy, that sure was an ugly shirt. You, you wearing a shirt, wearing an ugly shirt. It may be true, but what good did that statement make? All you done was build a wall to that person instead of building a bridge to them. So I need to understand that sometimes speaking truth... Uh, is not the best thing, as in, you don't need to say that. Okay, we're always talking about the truth of God. We always speak the truth of God in all those situations. But sometimes we get so caught up in things that we want to respond because we know we right and they wrong. And instead of living in peace where I don't care if you want to wear an ugly shirt, go ahead. I don't care if you don't eat ice cream with... Uh, Frosted flakes in it. That's your problem. That's more for me. Now listen, guys, you could go home and tell your wife, look, the pastor told me I need to try this. So I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just following his advice. <clears throat> so make every effort. Again, our purpose is to keep our eyes on Jesus, to reconcile, bring people to Christ. So what the enemy's job is, he wants to distract you from doing, keeping your eyes on Christ and doing what you're supposed to be doing by putting your attention on other things. 
So look at verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. It says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, but blown here and there by every wind of teaching. It doesn't mean biblical teaching. Every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So we need to realize we need to be rooted in the Word of God, knowing what the Word of God says, knowing that we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Him and not get sidetracked of what the main thing is, keeping our focus on Him, not falling for the schemes of people, knowing that what I am here to do is reconcile people to God. He says, he says instead, instead of doing all that, we need to speak the truth. How? In love. Speaking, again, God's Word, you always hold on to the truth of God's Word. And that is totally different than saying somebody has an ugly shirt. Okay? <laughs> That's your opinion on the shirt. The shirt is not in the Word of God. We never sway from the Word of God. But the, uh, on, the, on those truth things, sometimes it's better to keep the mouth quiet. Right? If the wife acts as, uh, worked all day cooking supper and she says, Is it good? Of course. <laughs> of course, but I just started a diet this afternoon, so that's why I'm not eating as much. <laughs> it's better to keep the peace. <laughs> Amen. So I said, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect, uh, every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is the Christ. For from him the whole body joined is joined and held together for ev- from our, by every supporting ligament that grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. As we keep our eyes on Jesus and we don't b- get tossed and thrown by everything that comes on in this world. You know, it, there's going to be storms in life, but you keep your eyes on him and th- that's where it counts. Amen. So let's quickly go through this. I want you to realize two schemes that the devil is using to divide the United States. Two schemes that the devil is using to divide the United States right now. Is it ironic that we are called the United States? And he's coming to destroy. And number one, the first thing he is, is political differences. The devil is using political differences right now to destroy the United States. And we're going to look at scripture where, where this goes through. Now, what is a political figure? Is a, is a person who is leading that you'd follow that is leading, okay? So let's look through scripture here a little bit for, first. Uh, he's trying to destroy through political differences. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13 says this. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters... In the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you. Okay? The body of Christ needs to be united and our focus on who? On Christ Jesus. Not on any other uh, thing, not on any person, not on any uh, party, not on any uh, organization. Our eyes need to be on Jesus. And it says this. 
that there be no divisions among you, among you but that you are be perfectly united in mind and talk, thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household. Now, that's not Chloe Kardashian. Uh, this was before. I think that's a great. <laughs> See, a few of you got that. <laughs> it's not from her. Some from her household have informed me that uh, there are quarrels among you. He's saying there are quarrels among the body of believers. And here's the reason why. He says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow, follow Paul. He's, he's the leader I'm following. Another says, I follow Apollos. Apollos. Another, I follow Caiaphas. Still another, I follow Christ. In other words, he's saying it, the body of Christ is supposed to be one and united, but you, you are starting to argue because you're following different human leaders, and the human leaders are what's in your side instead of Jesus. Verse 12, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow uh, Cephas. Another says, I follow Christ. And this is what Paul says in verse 13. Is Christ divided? And then he says this. Paul speaking, he says, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And what I want to say to us today is what he's telling them back then. No human has been cru crucified for you. You are putting more importance on a human being on earth than on the one who was crucified for you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Take it off a of man. You can, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Keep your eyes off a of man. No man is going to rescue you. No man is going to do what only God can do. Can I tell you, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, different organizations are, did not... Uh, crucify themselves for you? Only Christ. And we need to keep our eyes on Christ. We don't ignore the truth of what's going on with the different things, but I can get so, the enemy gets you so caught up that I, between a Republican and a Democrat and a this and a that and this and that, that he'll get you fighting with other believers over people. And what does it do? It divides the body of Christ. That's the scheme he's using. Right now, he's bringing division through political things. We pray that the right person get, is president. You vote for the right person. You vote for your morals, what they stand for. And can I tell you, whether it be Joe Biden or President Trump, neither one of them is perfect. Okay, we all have our faults. All right, and you, you could go and use all kinds of different things. Vote your conscience. Vote with the person that lines up most uh, closely to biblical principles. All right? But we don't put our eyes... Donald Trump is not going to save this nation and Joe Biden's not going to save this nation. Only Christ can save this nation, the king of all kings. And if we... Oh, Scott. Scott David. <laughs> we need to realize that as, when we start losing sight of Jesus and putting it on a political party, we spend more time talking and criticizing those parties and the other parties instead of praying to God for the nation. You know what your complaining is going to get you? Nothing. You know what your complaining is going to change? Nothing. Only prayer. Your, uh, one of your powerful weapons is prayer, seeking God for this nation. 
You have your political beliefs, but don't let those political beliefs override and take your eyes off of Jesus and just focus on this. I, I bet if you go look on Facebook right now, you see more posts about political things than you do about the reconciliation to God. Right? What, what is our job here? Political or reconciliation to God? Reconciliation to God, but where the enemy has us focused. And um, again, I'm not saying political things, you throw it out, we need to vote, we need to pay attention to those things. But they, the enemy wants that to override you focusing on him. He wants to bring division through this. Again, you'll see more posts on Facebook, on YouTube about political things instead of reconciliation. We can't put more trust in a politician or an organization than we can in God. We have to put our trust and faith in Him. Let's go on the second thing, which is obvious. Second scheme he's using. First one is political difference. Second one is racial differences in this nation right now. Now, for those of you that don't know where Paul's speaking here in uh, Corinthians, it was the... And there's more than whites and blacks in this world. There's races of all kinds. And what he's talking about here was the Jewish race was beginning to intermingle with the Gentiles that, that weren't of the Jewish race. And notice what Paul says. And as I'm reading this, remembering the mission, Paul was remembering that he's, his total purpose was bringing people to Christ, reconciling them. That's what he was supposed to do. Okay, and, and so notice what it says here. 1 Corinthians 9.19 Though I am free and belong to no one, he was a Jew, he was Jewish, but he, be, he became a follower of Christ and he wasn't uh, holding on to the Jewish laws and customs of the day and throughout the Old Testament. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a what? Slave to everyone. And why? To win as many as possible. He says, I realize that I have my freedom. I don't have to follow Jewish customs and these things, that I'm a child of God. But he says, you know what? I'm more worried about saving people, getting people saved, reconciled to God, than I am about being right on little issues. And what he's talking about here with the Jewish people was he was talking about the different customs they had and different things that they could not eat, the Jewish people could not eat. And Paul's saying, you know what? I, I'm not Jewish no more, so it is not wrong. It is not a sin for me to eat this certain type of food. But he says, I'm more worried about offending them, even though they're wrong that I can't eat this food. I choose not to eat this food in front of them so I may be able to win them to Christ because if I eat this food in front of them, I'll be banished and I'm burning the bridge instead of creating a bridge. So what's more important, being right or winning someone to the Lord? Verse 20, he says, To the Jews I became like a Jew. Why? To win the Jews. To those under the law, he says, I became like one under the law. That's what he was talking about there. And he says, uh, Although 
myself, I am not under the law, so as to win those who are under the law. So he says, I was not going to do anything that I, was, that I am free to do in front of them because I don't want to be a stumbling block in front of them. He says, it's more important for me to have a bridge to them, building a bridge instead of blowing it up that I can minister to them so I can reconcile them to God because that's my job here. Verse 21, he begins talking uh, uh, to the Gentiles. He says, those, uh, to those not having the law, again, not the Jewish people, I became like uh, one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but, under, uh, but I am under Christ's law. Why? So as to win those not having the law. He says, so when I was around the Jewish people, I didn't do anything to offend them because I wanted to win them to the Lord. When I was around the Gentile people, I didn't do the things and point the finger and saying you need to do all this because I wanted to win them. He ne- Paul never lost sight of his purpose of why he's here. He was never distracted by those things. Verse 22 says, To the weak I became weak, to, the, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, what? I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Again, if you read this, how many times Paul said, everything I'm doing is to win people to the Lord. In other words, again, he was a bridge builder, not a destroyer. And we need to realize that we need to focus on what we have in common with people and not what we don't. See, Paul became everything to everybody. You find a common ground that you could build on instead, again, instead you want to build a bridge to people, not destroy it. You, you want to tear down walls between people, not build them up. So you could win them to Christ. We need to focus on all these things. Don't let the enemy pull away. Let, let me just, I know we're a few minutes late already, but let me just share with you this thing here. Y'all know what this is? It's not a tiny bra <laughs> for Barbie. <laughs> we all know we, it is mandatory that we are supposed to wear this starting tomorrow. Uh, does Scott Jeremy like wearing these things? No. Do I like to be told I have to wear it? No. But is our governing officials who are placed according to Scripture by God, that all authority is placed by God, and we need to learn to listen, unless the Bible specifically says against something. Okay, the 11th commandment said, Thou shalt not wear masks during COVID. I don't care what the government says. But can I tell you, some of the most rebellious people in this world are Christians. Oh, why would I say that? Because we don't want to listen to authority. Although God says he's placed that authority over us. And when I don't obey the local authority, who am I really rebelling against? Not them, I'm rebelling against God who has placed them over my life. So, back to this. Will Scott Jeremy wear this in public, although he doesn't want to? Yeah. 
You know why? Because I'm seen in this community as a pastor of a church. And for me to walk around and give somebody a stumbling block, somebody who's for mass versus somebody who's against it, to say, look, that pastor's not listening. What's going on? I have the right not to wear it. But if that could be a stumbling block for somebody, shouldn't that work? Again, taking your eyes off of Jesus, we're going to let division come in the church of God over wearing a mask? Oh yeah, we focused on the important things. We're not reconciling anybody. We're, we're bringing division over a piece of fabric. Because some see, yeah, I wear it. Some, and again, the government in themselves, at first, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. They, they don't know what's going on either, but all I know is tomorrow they said to start wearing a mask, so you know what? I'm not going to be a stumbling block for anybody. Do I, in my inside, I'm not wearing a mask, but on the outside, I will. Now, when I see Larry right there, I'd rather wear a blindfold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, let's keep on going with that. Again, we want to be bid, bridge builders to Christ, not destroyers. Okay, Proverbs 15 verses 1 and 2 says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh, but harsh words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, wants to gain knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish of the of the fool gushes folly. How, we need to be careful how we respond. We don't want to respond in things out of the flesh because we may. Say things that isn't a gentle answer, and it stirs up anger. We want to. We're going to look at a few scriptures here. Let, let us. I need to get going. James one nineteen through twenty seven says this. This kind of talks about this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Was that next word? Was that next word? Was that word? What's that word? Everyone should be quick to listen. Can I tell you something right now? The world today is the total opposite of this. No one's quick to listen right now. It says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The total opposite is going on right now. Nobody wants to listen. They're quick to get angry and they're quick to speak. Verse 20. Now notice this. It says, we slow to become angry and all these things. And it says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And how many have been fallen for the scheme of the enemy in the body of Christ and are responding and getting angry and responding out the flesh. Our eyes have come off of Christ and become on the situation going on in this world, whether it be race or politics, 
and we're speaking and we're not listening. They're screaming this and we're responding. And God's word tells us that the righteousness of God does not come, away, come out of this. So if we want to end this in this world, we can't be like the world in their response of everything. Therefore, get, and he's talking to believers, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Okay? Don't listen to this message today, then go home and start putting mean comments on everything, everybody's page. Go spread the word of God. Spread the love of God. It says, do not just listen and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at it himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And I like to explain this thing as in, Many a times you're in a service or you're hearing a message and you start, you get, God convicts you through his Holy Spirit about something in your life. And then God leaves it up to you of what you're going to do with that conviction. He wants to bring change in your life, but sad to say too many times with the convicted about in church an hour before they're back doing right when they leave. That they get back to the old way it used to be. It says, uh, verse 24, And after uh, looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You see, conviction is where God shows you something on the inside that he wants changed. But who, verse 25, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. And these days we could put thumbs. You got me? Their tongues and thumbs for texting. Or if you're typing, it's just the two pointed fingers. <laughs> keep a tight rein uh, on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that, uh, that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and notice this last part. To keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To keep yourself from taking your eyes off of Christ and focusing on something here. Do you see how the enemy works? I believe these are two schemes. He's using a wily coyote if that helps you. The wiles he sends. We need to be aware and bring unity in the body of Christ. Because there's power in unity. And Satan knows the only way he could win is to bring disunity in the body of Christ. So from this day forward, can we say, you know what? What I do from now on is to bring unity into the body. I may not, something may be different, but I'm not saying it, again, the motive of why you're saying it. Sometimes it's like a revenge, you know, a hot-tempered. We need to remember, is this going to, by me saying this, is this going to bring someone closer to Christ, or did I just build a wall? Oh, but I was right. Did you bring him closer to Christ, 
or did you prevent them from coming to Christ? Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer this morning. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Again, we lift up this country to you right now, Father God. I pray for unity across this nation and spiritual revival, the break across this nation, Father God. Unveil all our eyes that we could see you better as a nation, Father God. Unveil our hearts that we may know you better as a nation, Father. And I just pray, Father God, that all the spiritually blind, the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And I just pray through your spirit, you begin to open their eyes, Father God, open their minds so they could see the truth of the gospel, Father. And if there's anyone here or watching online that you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here today. Knowing that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And all we have to do is receive the gift that salvation is a gift of God. It is nothing that we earn, but we freely receive from him. And I want you to invite the Lord into your life right now. Just say the simple prayer. I encourage everyone in here just to say it with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I have many faults in my life. But I believe you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe that he has risen from the dead and is seated at your right hand side. I accept the forgiveness of my sins and invite Christ into my heart to be Lord and Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Love you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Remember, go get your Frosted Flakes and ice cream. You can't go wrong.